You're listening to the Beside the Badge podcast with your host, Paul Bunker, veteran chaplain and friend to law enforcement. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Beside the Badge. I am still reeling from last week's podcast, the interview with uh, Pastor Mark Gunger. Um, he's a very real guy. He's very transparent. He doesn't put on any... Um, you know, he doesn't sugarcoat things. He goes right at it. And it was an incredible interview. I'm still reeling from it. Was deeply honored to get to uh, interview somebody who's had such a positive impact on my own marriage. And um, we really got to have a good time. So if you haven't watched that episode, oh my, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to that episode. So today we're going to take a little bit of a different direction and we're going to talk about books that can have a positive impact on your life in law enforcement. So, you know, what books should law enforcement read? Well, I've gotten to read a lot of great books and this is not, uh, this is not a conclusive list. This is not, this is not an exhaustive list. This is a list of that over time I will add to, uh, but these are things that have had enormous impact on myself and I have had them recommended to me by law enforcement. I've recommended them to law enforcement who said they resonated. These books resonated with them. It had a deep impact on them. So, uh, first and foremost, I mean, I'm a chaplain. I'm a firm believer that Jesus Christ is my Lord and savior. Um, I am a evangelical Christian. So, I can't start any list without saying, read the Bible. And uh, that for me is at the top of my list. I just finished this morning a Bible study on the book of Ruth uh, in the Old Testament and uh, had a little study guide with it, just finished that up. It was a great Bible study. That is what keeps me where I need to be, the headspace that I need to be in. And uh, there's some great life advice there. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Um, summarizing First uh, Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, treat older men. This is, you want life advice about how to get along with people? This verse right here, this one verse, write this on a wall. Um, and it's basically treat older men as fathers, treat younger men as brothers, treat older women as mothers, treat younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So let's break that down for a split second. And we'll go back to our list. Um, first and foremost, how many times have, are you going to be working with someone who's older than you, who's younger than you? They have a different gender than you do. And think about how how would you treat them if that was your father? I had have had over the years many men work for me who were older than me. And I could say to that person, hey, Jim, uh, I need you to own this for me, okay? I know you know how to do this. Rock and roll on this, okay? You know, I need, I need you to make this happen for me. Can you take care of this for me? And I, I treated them with trust and respect that they could do it. Now, there, there were men who chose not to. There were men who didn't have the skills and, and put themselves forward as though they did. But we had that conversation later. And I was able to treat them as a father. And it worked great. It was a great part of that relationship. Um, younger men as brothers. Um, anybody who has a younger brother, um, I don't. Uh, but anybody who has a younger brother knows a lot of times we pick on them and different things like that. But the thing that we should be doing, you know, treating them like, Hey, I can show you how to do this. Um, here's some life advice. You might want to watch out for this, whatever, treat them like a little brother and don't, don't be mean to them, of course, but treat them like a little brother. I have, I have a tendency to adopt friends like brothers. And many of the young men that I am fortunate enough to chaplain have become family. They're like my little brothers. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of life advice and things we can do. Same thing for older women, treat them like they're your mother. How would you speak to them? How would you treat them? Um, you know, we are to show respect regardless of how good our parents are at the job. We, we are to treat the office of parent with respect. And then the final one is, is, is a, 
is a frightening thing for many men, treat younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And probably the greatest, the greatest tool in a battle against pornography, which is something I struggled with for years, was 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 sister zoning younger women. Um, a lot of younger women, especially when you are in the law enforcement world, are highly flirtatious towards a man in uniform. And a lot of men are predatory towards younger women. They're very, very flirtatious towards younger women. Well, if you're married, um, you shouldn't be doing that. And probably the greatest tool that I have been given uh, in my battle with, with my own flesh has been praying for uh, women uh, in any form. I see them constantly thrown at us in our in our uh, culture you see imagery thrown at us of women um whether it's a silhouette on a mud flap or a commercial a tv show and when i when i see something i like that is not my wife i pray for that young lady treat her like a sister and that works in a workplace environment you're treating you're the fto for a younger female officer you work with somebody closely in an environment uh, many, many years ago, I worked in an office environment with a very beautiful young lady, and I had to train her for the the uh, technical support position that she was uh, hired for. And we had to work very closely together for several days. I was highly attracted to her. Um, my first marriage had ended very badly. I was very lonely. Um, and uh, she was in a very bad relationship, and it would have been very easy for us to have made a mistake. And um, she was married. And so I, I treated her like a sister and um, actually had a man come to me who then had to train her for the next phase of what she was doing. And he said, how, how are you able to do that? And she was cover of a magazine, beautiful. And you're working in a pod space that's, you know, like five feet by five feet or something like that. It's very, very cramped and uh, working very closely with someone and attraction will diminish over time when you're working with someone in an environment like that and how you treat that person. Uh, and if you, if you sister zone, that person is highly valuable. So I know that that is a kind of a rabbit trail that I ran down, but it's a highly valuable thing. At least for me, it's had an enormous impact on my life and how I walk with God. So, uh, reading the word of God has been life-changing for me and it helps me stay where I need to stay. My wife can definitely tell you that she prefers me when I'm close to God and she prefers me when I'm in the word. It definitely has that kind of an impact on me. So books that I recommend for law enforcement, books that law enforcement has recommended to me, The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. Excellent book. You can get it on audio if you're driving around at night. And this, this is one of these things where all of us have 24 hours in the day. We all have lots of time that we can be driving around and, and listening to audiobooks. We can listen to music or we can listen to talk radio or we can listen to a game. We can just listen to the radio in our in the patrol car or we can be listening to something that's going to make us a better version of ourselves. And I wish I wish that I had paid attention when people made subtle hints. I'm not so subtle because I know that a lot of young men don't really listen to subtle very well and young men dominate the law enforcement world. Um, I'm not so subtle. I'm straight up like, look, I, I could have two PhDs with the time I wasted on gaming and watching movies. Now, is it is it a, is it a good thing to potentially game some and watch movies? I'm sure it can be a healthy outlet. But games are designed psychologically to addict you. So, and at the end of the day, if the power goes out, there's nothing there. It's a game. And 
Um, same thing can be true for too much drinking. Same thing can be told for too much extreme sports. A lot of people escape or try to escape from what they do on a day-to-day -day basis with extreme things. And it can be, it can be a sign if you're doing extreme sports on the weekends, it can be a sign that you become addicted to, to adrenaline rushes. And that's a very dangerous place to be in the law enforcement world. Um, I have several friends who've gone through that and had to really take a step back and look at themselves um, more closely. Um, so the gift of fear by Gavin DeBecker, let's go back to that. If you are, if you're in a place where you, you're ready to start listening to audiobooks or reading books, um, you're ready for some edutainment to educate and entertain yourself. The gift of fear by Gavin DeBecker is an eye opener. And if you know anything about him, he's actually very, very qualified. Um, when violence is the answer by Tim Larkin is another excellent book. Um, really makes you think. And, and it's so true. There are so many times when in life when violence isn't the answer, but, but there are times that when violence is the answer, it's the only answer. When a dog is attacking you and you're walking with your family in a park, and this applies for anybody, whether you're a you know, civilian law enforcement or, or a civilian or you're in the military, it doesn't matter. This is universal. And, and that dog is attacking you and you know that dog is trying to, to kill or maim you, that dog's attacking your child. Violence of action is the only answer in that moment. When, you know, my, my son and I were walking through a parking lot and uh, this was just two or three years ago and uh, he was on my left and a woman jumped in her car and immediately started it and I pinged her as, uh-oh, this lady may not be looking when she goes to back up and very, very quick motions, not a lot of thought put into them, you know, very, very abrupt motions that she was making. She pops this thing into reverse and hits the gas. Didn't look to see if anybody was behind her. I mean, she was a car wreck waiting to happen and she would have hit my kid and he would have been like right out of high school or, or his last year of high school. And I reached over and I caught his arm with my arm and I literally picked him up and put him on the other side of me. I stopped my forward momentum and I literally moved my kid to keep him from getting hit. And uh, the only answer in that moment was violence of action. I didn't hurt him. I, I probably put a little bit of a bruise on his arm, but I didn't permanently harm him. But in that moment, violence of action was the only answer to that. Um, I have been in situations, and if you've been in law enforcement for more than 10 minutes, you have too, where uh, people are, they're not going to go willingly, and they've done bad things, and they can't be on the street. You know, murderers, rapists, uh, armed robbers, pedophiles, they can't stay on the street. We can't let those people be part of society. They've lost that right due to their crimes, and that's one of those things that that we have to understand as a culture. And when those people say, I ain't going, there are times that violence is the only answer. And uh, when violence is the answer by Tim Larkin really makes you think as a person. Um, On Killing by Dave Grossman and the book On Combat by Dave Grossman. Now, pretty much anything by Dave Grossman, Colonel Dave Grossman retired, is excellent. But on Killing and On Combat by Dave Grossman are the two that I recommend the most because they have so much application to the world of law enforcement. And what I don't mean is that law enforcement has to kill people every day like, like you might be forced to in the military. What I mean is when something happens and somebody looks at you and says, I'm going to kill you, and they come at you, 
you might have to, you have the right of self-defense. And I know in our world today with our charged political environment, people are trying to take the right of self-defense away from law enforcement. And that's heartbreaking because you have just as much right to go home to your family as, as any citizen does. Um, and what, what happens to a human being when we're forced to take a life, um, in combat, the, the fact that when you're fighting for your life and your body realizes I could lose this fight, we may, we may drop the load that was inside of us. We may defecate our britches that happens, um, in those moments and the adrenaline, the, all the things that happen inside of our bodies during these times, a lot of people don't really understand it and they go through it. There's, there's things that lead to post-traumatic stress and understanding that these things are actually pretty commonplace when you fight for your life. I talked to a police officer that was fighting for his life against someone, uh, with a knife and they were on top of him. And he said, I, as I was wrestling around with them, you know, both of my hands on their wrists and the knife, controlling the knife, them with everything in their being trying to murder me in cold blood. And he says, I'm fighting for my life. Um, I pooped myself. I pooped my pants. And he said, and, and it sort of like catapulted him forward and he was able to get the knife away from the person and subdue them. Um, these are very real things that happen inside of the body under stress and if you want to understand, I know that sounds random and wild, but if you want to understand what is happening inside of your body, maybe you've been through some traumatic events on killing and on combat, talk about what happens in the world of law enforcement and in the military when, when we are forced into a situation, uh, even for the private citizen who maybe has had to take a life, what the impacts of these things and sleep deprivation, too much caffeine, cigarettes, um, alcohol, what they do to the body, what they do to the ability to, for our, for the windshield wiper in our brain to clear the windshield of our mind. Um, these things are very real and they're very powerful. So that's another one. And before we go to our sponsor break, we're going to talk about Left of Bang by Patrick Van, uh, Van Horn uh, and Jason A. Riley. These are excellent. This is an excellent book because it's talking about all of the things that you can do. And it comes out of the Marine, I think they call it the combat hunter program. And it is literally the ability for us as uh, people to get our situational awareness on point and how we think and the things we do. It's a great primer for that. And I would, I would highly encourage you to read that. So I'm going to pause real quick. We're going to do our sponsor break and come back and talk about verbal judo by George J. Thompson coffee sip break. So I uh, had the opportunity recently to talk to um, John Lee O'Reilly with General Response, and uh, he's been going around the country talking to law enforcement, to businesses, to churches about um, all of his years, over 20 years of experience in law enforcement and being able to um, help people to understand how to de-escalate really terrible situations and be able to shut those situations down without potentially harming someone. Um, fantastic guy, amazing interview. He's a believer, and um, he brings a huge amount of experience and actually has a team that goes with him that are law enforcement and retired law enforcement, and they bring a a elevated threat level. They, they put you under stress so that your stress level is way up here, and they put you in that environment so that you can actually put that training, uh, put, put feet on that training and actually experience it because if you can't do it under stress, you probably can't do it unfortunately. Uh, so uh, fantastic guy, fantastic situation there. Check him out on the social medias 
and uh, Gentle Response is the name of his company. Number two, Confession Time. Um, I had the, the opportunity to visit the other day with the owner, the founder of Got Your Six Coffee. Mm. Confession Time. Uh, I had run out of Got Your Six Coffee for about a week and I couldn't get to. There's a store near me that sells it. It's about 40 minutes from me. And um, I couldn't get to it. It had to drink other guy coffee. Blech. And I wasn't changing people's lives. There wasn't purpose in every cup. There wasn't service to those who serve. I wasn't changing a life. And I know that sounds silly, but I don't know if I felt guilty. I felt like I was letting myself down. You know what I mean? I Not only is it a one-winning coffee, I'm drinking Cup of Joe. I love Cup of Joe. Um, sometimes I drink Zero Dark Thirty. Sometimes I drink Mustang. I've drank Thin Blue Line. I've drank probably 70% of his flavors, his, uh, his different blends. But I keep coming back to Cup of Joe. And I like rich, black, dark coffee. I'm drinking it in my founding member's cup. And, uh, but I had run out for about a week. So had an opportunity, what would have been Thursday of this week. I got to spend the day with him, uh, learning about some things that are going on with his company. He's got some orders coming in that are very exciting as he's growing. And just, just some exciting opportunities that are coming down the pipe that I dearly love. And, um, he's a friend. I love to see his journey. I love to see and hear about the things that are happening and uh, the lives that are being changed got your six coffee. If you drink coffee, you and your department should be drinking got your six coffee. If you are not in law enforcement and you're a blue family, or you just find uh, this podcast interesting because it helps you to understand uh, what law enforcement goes through and you drink coffee, you should be drinking got your six coffee. And uh, I've been there to see the lives change. Matter of fact, next, the next two Saturdays, I will be, um, I will actually be volunteering with his group uh, doing some pretty cool things. Uh, thirdly, uh, my buddy Matt Combs with Shield Force International, very high-speed training, knife defense, um, hand-to-hand, um, and he puts you under stress. Um, there's so much to, as I've, as I've really delved the last 10 years and, and intensely the last three or four years into becoming a, a gentleman warrior, uh, one of the fascinating things that I've come into contact with is um, training under a high level of stress to make sure that you know how to perform that mag change, that malfunction clearing, leaning out and shooting, being able to bound, being able to communicate under stress. I've seen so many people shut down and they just lose the power of speech or the only thing that they're capable of doing is issuing F-bombs uh, under stress. And the, the guy who can stay calm under that level of stress, the gal that can stay calm under that level of stress, uh, they intimidate. Um, I'm much more uh, concerned about the person who can get up calmly and proceed into a fight than I am the person that jumps up to fight because that first person might have been there before. And I've been in situations where I was unbelievably angry but dead calm. And that right there is what we should all be aspiring for. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else. Trust me. There's a lot of high-speed cops out there. But as a, as a half-crazed Mississippi chaplain, I dearly... Dearly, I'm not from Mississippi. Anyway, as a half-crazed, not from Mississippi chaplain, I dearly, dearly love training under stress, which brings me back to Matt Combs with Shield Force International. And I have I have had the privilege of taking a lot of his training. I am going to continue to train. One of the things that is very pertinent in this world today to law enforcement is 
um, is surviving the ambush and mindset, and he brings those to the table. Matt Combs, Shield Force International. Check him out on the interwebs. So if you are watching the video version of this podcast, you may have noticed some things. So over here, see if I can get my hand in the right place. Do, 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 do. Right there is a compass hanging on the wall. That represents 2% shifts, being able to think about the fact that, oh, hey, there are there are things in life. I'm reading the compass of life going, oh, I'm off course a little bit. Like I talked about with Mark Gunger in our interview on the last podcast that, like I said, is still rocking my world. Um, you know, he says, don't be, um, don't be a hero to a stranger. And then I added the comment and come home to be a zero. That's true. Um, so many people think they've done their bit for king and country and they come home and they forget about the queen. Or if you are married and it's the opposite and you are a young lady, don't forget to come home and be there for your husband. And then another thing you may notice behind me is there's another picture up here. I think the last one was an American flag with the sun shining through it. I was down in Florida back in December and I had an opportunity. I was walking along and I look, you can't really see it in the picture, but there's a beautiful, I believe it's a peregrine falcon. It's it's a type of falcon that was sitting on a on a line. I was at a, was at some kind of a, a military park, is a state park. Uh, near Clearwater, and I forget the name of it, and I looked up and saw this hawk, and it was just beautiful, just a beautiful picture. And then you may notice behind me, some of you that can see this right here, is the Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage DVD, and that has blessed my marriage un unbelievably. And if you want to know more about that and get an idea of what that DVD might contain, it's actually four DVDs, uh, check out my last podcast, my interview with Mark Gunger laugh your way to a better marriage. So coming back quickly, we'll get a few more books in. This is going to end up being a two-parter. We'll get a few more books in here. And then I'll, uh, and then in the next episode, I'll come back and we'll talk some more about some books that can change your life and help with mindset. So Verbal Judo. Verbal Judo is a book that introduced me to the ability to deescalate. And that's where John Lee O'Reilly is such a, um, a blessing to me. And I have yet to train with him, but it will happen. Mark my words. And, uh, but Verbal Judo by George J. Thompson is what started it all. And I've probably listened to that book four times on audio. And I've used it in real life situations. Um, the most notable, I pulled up one night with an officer. I'm, I'm sitting in, this, in the seat beside an officer. And it's like a Royal Rumble's about to happen, a battle royale. There's there's eight or more people. I think it was about 10 people in a, in a yard in this small town, no backup. And I look at this officer. It was fairly early in my, um, in my uh, chaplain career. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I don't currently carry a commission. I am not law enforcement. Uh, I'm just a half-crazed Mississippi chaplain. And uh, what basically happened was... Um, I, I look over at the police officer and I'm like, do you want me out of the car? And he's like, yeah. And because it was going to be him versus about 10 people. And it was a huge disagreement between two families. There was a young couple about to get divorced and it was like family feud. There's two sides of this. They're about equal in number. And it literally looked like it was headed for terrible, terrible violence. And he took one side. I took the other. We started talking, God opened some doors. I had been through the verbal judo book a couple of times, but I had not trained under any stress with it. So this was God and some guts and jumping in. And I just started visiting and talking and we found a hinge pin 
And um, there was one of the moms that I realized she was on my half of the discussion. She was the hinge pin. And if I could figure out what would take the pressure off, just let a little pressure off, then it might de-escalate. And she was the one that was going to shut it down. And we figured out in that moment that the, the argument was over a washer and dryer that had been given to this young couple. And unfortunately, their marriage had gone sideways and, and it was it was ending. And so this young couple, this young man and this young woman, um, I forget whose side was what, but the, the one set of grandparents had given this washer and dryer and they, they wanted it back. And the other side was like, nope. You know, it's, I think, I think the young lady's family was like the washer and dryer is going with her and these are good people. They're just having a really bad day and they might, they might turn a bad day into a mistake that could haunt them for life, like felony assault charges and a, and a record. And, uh, it was, it was a bad situation. And imagine, I mean, a lot of you are like, wait, I have done that by myself, but I'm like, imagine doing that by yourself. Verbal judo taught me an unbelievable amount. Uh, then I went back and, and re-listened to it a couple of more times, but I was able to realize and, and draw a, um, I was able to get a rapport with this, this mom. And I said, you know, don't you feel like sometimes that, um, we as parents hurt more for our kids in a situation than they do. And, uh, I don't know that that's a hundred percent true, but I've lived it. And she's like, yeah, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, you can tell me to go jump off of, you know, go jump in the lake. And she's like, well, and she's like, no, 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 please. And she could tell that I cared. And I said, do you feel like maybe if it makes your, your son's life just, just any easier that it wouldn't be better to, to maybe just let that washer and dryer go. And she looked at me and she's like, yeah. And then she turned to her family, her half of the disagreement. These are good people. Again, just having a bad day. And she's like, let's, guys, let's just let it go. And it was literally like a water fountain. You've seen these in the, excuse me, like in a park. And it's water shooting everywhere and there's a light show. And then somebody just kills the power to it. The water just goes thud and stops. And the, and the lights are just thud. The, the, the lights don't go thud. But the, the lights just go off. It's, it shows over. And that's where that was. And again, I see these people up and you know, on the street they're good people. And that's one of the powers of de-escalation is there's no negatives there. If I see her, which I'm not even sure she remembers me, it's been so many years, but if I see her or her son or her husband or any of the, any of the people that were involved in it, there's a positive memory there. Nobody had to go hands-on. And that would have been a really bad situation for that young officer with no backup. And we sat down afterwards and we probably talked for an hour driving around in his car, talking about the power of de-escalation. And Verbal judo literally opened that door for me. So I'm going to close this podcast out. We're going to come back and continue this conversation. I've got more notes here about books that I recommend for law enforcement to read. And many of them are books that law enforcement officers have recommended to me. So I'm going to pray us out and we'll get this going. So uh, generally, Father, Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to learn, whether it be your word or to learn from the experience of others, Lord God, um, to have a mentor in our hip pocket, to be able to listen to a mentor uh, is the power of a book. And there's so many people who've gone before us and fought battles and learned things, Lord God. And I thank you 
for those conversations, for those people, the places that they've gone. I ask that you keep these officers, everyone listening to this podcast safe. I ask that you guide, bless, and protect them, Lord God, that you would protect them if there's an ambush that comes against them. When the bad guy tries to harm them, that the bad guy would literally, not figuratively, literally stumble and fail in their mission, Lord God. They would stumble on the way out of the car. They would stumble as they lunge. They would fail in their attack. And Lord God, if it be... Uh, that they are being shot at. Lord God, I ask that you would literally bend the bullets around them and protect that officer. We ask this in the one main, one name that makes it so, Lord God, in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I'll see you next time. We'll talk some more. Thank you for listening to the Beside the Badge podcast. Stay safe out there and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast.